saying, good morning, Mike Broomhead. I have a box of tissues over here if yeah. you need them. <laughs> I actually was just looking for one before the mic went on, so I'm going to have to suffer through the first segment, then I'll come and grab them. But thank okay. you. Thanks, Jamie. Good I morning. I you feel better. Me, I feel fine. It's just this stupid oh, allergy drip. And you know what's interesting post-pandemic is every time you cough, sneeze, or blow your nose, you feel like you need to apologize yeah. to people yeah. and say it's not COVID. Yeah, I know. And tell them I'm not sick. I, I, I had to do that It's allergies. Once. It's yeah. allergies. I was, you know, I like to play poker. And I yes. was playing poker and I was next to a woman that was wearing a mask. And every time I would sniffle like that, she would ask me if I wanted a mask. And I just said, <laughs> no, I'm not sick. I just have allergies. And I just, I know she was skeeved out. I think she, I, she was worried I was going to give her something. So uh, thanks, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Coming up at 835, Kristen Bentz is going to join me. You know Kristen from the show. She fills in when I'm not here. Her background is she's a retail analyst. She is one of the people that understands the economy, where it's going and what's happening. There's some interesting developments that have happened. One of them with the durable good order in January. It was a significant drop of about 16%. We're going to get to that to talk with her what this all means. Macy's is making a big change in how they're doing things. What does that mean for the consumer? Shrinkflation. And we're going to ask her about the merger between major grocers and what that might do to food prices as many people are against it saying that this is going to be closer to a monopoly. So that happens about 20 minutes from right now. We're going to start with what I think is a very significant thing, and that is the majority of Americans, for the first time, support the construction of a border wall. So I'm going to give you some numbers. Um, a low point of 35%. During the Trump administration, uh, uh, national support for the construction of a border wall was at about 35%. Um, it was only, it is now swelled to 53% of Americans with only 46% in opposition. More than half of Americans are now in favor of construct, constructing a wall at our southern border. That is a big shift in the minds of the American people. What that also shows is that the federal government has done a disastrous job of closing that border. Border security is national security. That's always been true. There was this it, during, it wasn't, and I'll be honest, it wasn't just during the Trump administration. You can go back 20 years when all of this began to be a very big issue. During the, the Bush presidency, I'm talking about W. Bush, the uh, Bush 43. During his presidency, there was a push for comprehensive immigration reform in connection with a border fence. You remember John McCain was criticized for saying build the dang fence later on. Um, the, the fact of the matter is it has always been a convoluted thing. We call it immigration, but there is a difference. Immigration is a piece of the issue at the border. Border security and then commerce and trade are the three. Immigration, border security, commerce and trade. They all work together, but they also are independent. All of it begins and ends with border security, and the American people are figuring that out. I will tell you, there were many people in America against the former Arizona governor, Doug Ducey, the current uh, um uh, governor of Texas, Abbott, and then the governor of Florida, DeSantis, sending um, migrants from their states all over the country, cities like Chicago and New York and, and D.C. But the issue is now when they did that, it opened the eyes of those cities. When people come to this country and they're asked, where do you want to go? And our government is sending them to where they have family members or some kind of a support system. They are requesting to go to these major cities. Massachusetts is under a huge 
wait right now because they have a mandatory shelter law. Well, that word gets out to migrants, so they know we may not know anybody in America or we not have anybody we can really rely on. But if we go to Massachusetts, they've got to give us a place to stay. So they are under a massive burden. America is figuring out that border security is national security. You couple in some things that have happened, and one of the things that has happened is uh, this murder in Georgia. And uh, the when you when you are uh, anybody, I guess it would be anybody, but in this case, it's it's uh, some kind some media outlets. When you downplay the immigration status of someone that commits a crime like this, you inflate the story accidentally. You have to acknowledge what happened. You have to acknowledge why it happened. You have to acknowledge that this does not look good. Now, there's one member of Congress from California that says we should not base our immigration policy on one murder. Well, it's not just one murder. There are many things that are happening. That doesn't mean, and again, I I always feel like I have to defend myself. I have never even assumed, never mind insinuated or said, that the majority of people that are coming to this country are horrible people and they're dangerous. I certainly have not. But what we cannot do is differentiate between, first of all, the legitimate asylum seekers and the illegitimate asylum seekers. We know, and the powers that be understand, that our asylum process is being abused. That the majority of people that are coming here and filing asylum claims eventually have those claims denied. That is just statistically accurate, which means what we put in place to aid the rest of the world because of the country that we are, that if you find yourself in a war-torn country, if there is a natural disaster in your country, what if you are a, a nation where your political views put you in a dangerous place, which is why we had the wet foot, dry foot rule with Cuba for so long under Fidel Castro and the horrible treatment of anyone that disagreed with that, with that government. We have a place of asylum for you. We are the shining city on the hill. Well, the cartels have figured out how to tell people when you go to America, you say these magic words and you're entitled under American law, according to the interpretation by this administration, you're entitled to a hearing, you're entitled to a lawyer. And if they can't do it in 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 an expedited fashion, you're entitled to stay there in that country, sometimes three, four, five years until you're hearing, in which case many people don't show up. We all know the system and how bad it is. The American people are waking up to this. The downside to this, as I've said many times, is I am a huge advocate for legal immigration. We have the need for workers in this country. Uh, I've come from the construction world. I can tell you uh, framing and drywall could not survive without labor uh, that they desperately need. I have friends that own big companies. That, you know, they can and they've said many on many occasions, I could hire 30 or 40 people, put an ad in the paper or online, go to one of those websites. Three people show up for an interview. One person shows up to work. So they're stuck. They need the labor Um, in the construction world and all the other worlds that are out there where there are jobs that are vacant, that are not being taken by Americans. And I know that's an important distinction, but it's one we have to focus on, that there are many jobs out there that could help the U.S. economy, that could help this great growth in the state of Arizona if we had a guest worker program. And it would eliminate a lot of what's happening at the border as far as people lying about coming here for asylum. 
It could help alleviate that. Our government won't act. But to act as if um, because I'm saying what I'm saying means that I'm accusing everyone of coming here of this being a violent criminal or even insinuating that by pointing out that here we have a flaw in our system, that an illegal immigrant that was arrested in the state of New York is now accused of murder in Georgia, that we can't say that because it puts a bad light on it. I want to hear Katie Porter, the Democrat from Georgia. This is what she had to say about the murder of this college student in Georgia. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy, which has so many different facets, including economic choices about what workers to allow in and how to create prosperity in America. So the situation is tragic, and it's a loss, and it's important to acknowledge that, but also to recognize all the other how all the other parts of immigration policy fit together. See, that is such a non-answer. I'm going to give you one more headline. Illegal alien who entered the U.S. under Biden arrested for sexual assault on a young girl. Does that mean that everyone is? No, it doesn't. It means we are at a point in our history. Dr. Phil goes on The View and talks to the View hosts about the horrific fates of some migrant children at the southern border. Here's a quote from Dr. Phil. We are using American tax dollars to ship children into known prostitution and sweatshops. That doesn't mean everyone. It doesn't mean that the sponsor families that are lining up to take children in that come across our border as unaccompanied minors are out to do horrible things or abuse or use those children in the wrong way. But it does mean that it's prevalent enough that we should be doing something about it. This is the stupid argument that happens. I point out the Georgia murder. Somebody, Katie Porter from California, says, well, that's not everyone. Now we argue about whether or not it's everyone. How about this? There has been a spike in the number of people captured on our southern border that are on the terror watch list. We know that there's been uptick of people coming because they know there's a better chance than not of getting across our border. If there is a terrorist attack inside our nation and it is done by a person or group of people that have crossed the southern border during this time, is that not a significant indicator of how bad and porous our border is? I don't want to see the American people be so disinterested in immigration because of a porous border that we change who we are as a nation and our willingness to allow people to come and live the American dream. I think it's the best of who we are. Watching those naturalization ceremonies, listening to people tell their stories of the American dream and how the trajectory of their family changed in one generation because people took the risk and brought their families here. I want those stories to live on for a very long time in the U.S., but this poll is showing you the American people are tired of what's happening at the border and now over half of the American people, up from 35%, it's jumped almost 20 percentage points of the American people want something done, including the building of a wall. In a moment, Kristen Bench joins me. She's the CEO of KB Advisory Group. We're going to talk about the economy and what these latest numbers mean to what's going to happen in the next quarter of the year. That's coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong 
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time with us. I got a couple of headlines here. January 2024 Durable Goods Report. New orders for manufactured durable goods witnessed a sharp decline, falling $18 billion or 6.1%. This contraction exceeds pre-report expectations. Uh, Biden targets a new economic villain, shrinkflation, and we also have to talk about the possible merger between major grocery store chains. Joining us to talk about this and what it all means is Kristen Bentz from KB Advisory Group. Kristen, welcome back. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Love that walk-up music. Yeah, it's 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 become your theme song around here. So <laughs> it's that, so it, frightening, right? <laughs> it is. Be, well, because I've given you the name, the Blonde Reaper. That usually when I have you on, it's to help me share bad news. So exactly. is this is this really that bad or how bad is it is the question. Is this bad news, the 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 extreme drop in durable good orders in January? It's pretty not great. Okay. Um, negative six is really dreadful. Um, now, here's the thing. So the um, booking of uh, non-civilian aircraft is what really brought those numbers down. OK. And so everyone's looking at Boeing. OK. So they literally had three orders in the month of January. Three. Now, they've been going through their own problems, obviously, so it could be more of an outlier based on what's going on with their aircraft. Okay. But what this what this tells me and what it should tell the consumer and folks that are listening on their driving to work today is when corporations stop buying durable goods, what does that mean? White goods, right? That's, you know, dishwashers, dryers, refrigerators, large equipment like that. When corporations stop doing that and retrench, it means there's volatility and they're worried and they're scared. So a lot of this talk about the Fed, right? And the market is very Fed driven. You and I talk about this a lot, right? And so there's a big disconnect with performance on Wall Street versus what's happening on Main Street. When you see corporations doing this, it's not really a great sign. So they're scared. So So all this talk about the Fed cutting rates is not really resonating with corporations. They're not buying it. I know it's not an apples to apples comparison, but when you put this side by side with what Macy's is doing in closing a bunch of locations and focusing on their luxury Mm -hmm. brands, what does Mm -hmm. this does this tell you? Does this help you get a better picture of this story? Well, remember, you know, I've uh, been a retail analyst on Wall Street for a very long time. Macy's has been a train wreck for a very, very long time. Like that patient has been on life support. It's in like a retail hospice. Okay. Okay. So this is not new or groundbreaking that they're closing 130 stores. They should. And if you've been to a Macy's locally in the Valley, it's like the land that time forgot. Like it's you, you can't find someone at the register. If they're there, they've probably been there for 40 years. Um, You know, they may have great products, but the way they merchandise them is frightening. I mean, so this is a correction that is long overdue. Is it great news? No. When retailers close stores, probably not. Um, But this is also endemic to Macy's themselves. It's like a self-inflicted wound. But uh, is retail thriving right now? No, it's not. So then let's shift before, because I've got to ask you about this merger with major grocery store chains. We now have the Arizona Attorney General as part of a lawsuit with other uh, others across the country that are against mm-hmm. this merger. Is there a mm-hmm. danger of this monopolizing the market and prices going up because of the merger? Is that should people be concerned about that? I think people are so focused on their own daily balance sheet that it doesn't matter to them. It's already awful. Like the amount of um money that the average consumer is spending on food is the highest that it's been, I think, in 10 or 15 years. So I think another merger 
of two very large grocery conglomerates. I think the consumer is already treading water right now. It's not going to matter to them. Um, but then again, it does reduce competition when you have, you know, these two big conglomerates emerging. So there are two things that are happening here. Does the consumer win? Probably not in this case. So it'll be interesting to watch to see what happens. So lastly, then the, the president is speaking out. He says he's done with and he's tired of shrinkflation. But in shrinkflation, of course, is paying the same money for less in a packaging or whatever else. Is this something that is just a byproduct of, of companies saying people can't pay anymore for our product? So we're just going to give them less product for the same money. Is that really what we're looking at? It's less product for more money, unfortunately, and that is um, a symptomatic of inflation, okay? And so I think it's very cute that he's getting out there and doing videos about Oreos and Doritos and whatnot. And yes, if you go to the store and you're buying chips, you can like open the bag and realize it's half full. Companies have been doing that forever. Um, It's just more uh, pervasive now after COVID because they're kind of gouging. I would rather the president focus on our border crisis than how much I'm paying for a bag of Oreos. But that's just me. Yeah, no, I get that. And that's what the reason why I'm asking this is trying to get more of a broad picture of what these numbers look like. So the prediction then, what what do you believe? What are you telling people that we should expect with the U.S. economy going into the second quarter of the year? Don't expect any cuts until like May or June. So those interest rates are going to completely cut into your daily life. That's car insurance, home insurance, auto insurance, all the insurances, all the credit cards. Um, it's going to be tough for a while. Uh, is inflation coming down? Yes, but it was so elevated. Is gas coming down? It was. Now it's kind of creeping back up. So I think you're going to see the consumer treading water for a few more months. As always, the Blonde Reaper, I appreciate the time today, Kristen. And I, <laughs> I know you're in on Friday, so I know the people will be looking forward to hearing you on Friday for me. I am. I'm doing my research. I got to fill your seat. All right. Thanks, Kristen. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right. That's Kristen Benz, KB Advisory Group. A little bit of an overview of the economy. We'll talk more about this in the 11 o'clock hour. In a moment, Gatos joins me. It's our Big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Ah, good morning. You sound chipper today there, yeah, Mike. Of course. Yeah, I'm fighting allergies, but I'm in a, I'm in a good mood. Hope it's not a cold. No, I have. Uh, I, we've talked about this before. I have horrible allergies, and I'm allergic yeah. to allergy medication. Oh my gosh, I remember that. So, so what do you do? Are you leaking all over my microphone? No, no not yet. I'm, I'm working on not doing that. So oh, it just it affects my voice, and every once in a while, I hate the sound of myself sniffling into the microphone. So I'm trying to oh. avoid it because I think it's horrible. Oh gosh, I think it's ugly. What do you take? What do you? You can't take Zyrtec or nothing. I you use no. I use that neti pot. Oh, gross. Yeah, but I can't use oh. it. I mean, I can't use it at work. I use it before I come in. Uh, it's where you like pour water up your nose and like all the snot comes out of your mouth or something. No, like that. that's that? gross. No, no, you tilt your head forward and, it, and you, you pour it, you push it in one nostril and it comes out it the other one. The, Every, okay. That's people out that's there enjoying better. bagels are loving this conversation. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll switch gears. We'll Go talk about president Joe Biden. Uh, here's my cue. He is going to, to visit the border. President Biden will make a rare visit to the border in Texas. Mm-hmm. So I ask, uh, what do you think? A, it's about time. B, it's way too late. C, he should have toured the Tucson sector, the new number one hotspot for migrant crossing. Um, 
I I think I know all I need to know about Joe Biden and the border. This is a guy who signed 89 executive orders revoking and changing immigration policy. You know, it's the president can do stuff on the border. We saw Donald Trump do it. Some were worked, some didn't. But, you know, at least the man tried. Uh, Joe Biden tried to open it and he did. And now we're seeing just a ton of people. Uh, pour in and I was talking the other day you know my wife and I like to go to Rocky Point yeah and she's gone for 30 years I've gone for 10 and for the first time at the Lukeville Crossing we saw about 50 people sitting there um, and they were going to claim asylum we talked to the Border Patrol agent and he goes listen on an 8 hour shift I see 500 people claim asylum in in Lukeville that never happened before it's a great it's a great question and we talked earlier we talked about the border the the, for the first time ever in polling 53% of Americans say they're in favor of a wall why wouldn't you be yeah build it bigger build it better and yeah let's do that and that's jumped from 35 percent during the trump presidency so in the span of just the past three years it's jumped almost 20 percentage points great question man as always and i'll be listening this afternoon when i'm driving don't leak on my microphone i won't i won't thanks kados all right the big q poll question today is brought to you by your valley toyota dealers what we're going to do just after nine o'clock maricopa county recorder stephen richer joins me to talk about early voting and the primary it's all coming up